Hi everyone and welcome to another saunter with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. It is my massive privilege to spend this time with you today and my hope is that we'll both be really inspired by spending time together and fall in love a little bit more with Jesus today. Hi everyone and welcome to the second of our mini-series Friend of God. And in the first episode, we looked at really just getting started on that relationship with God nice and early in our lives. We're never too young chronologically to begin that relationship with God and that that becomes a friendship with him. And so now we're going to just have a little dive into probably where most people are at, which is in that phase of our lives where we're really, really busy and we've got so many things going on. And it's kind of challenging and we kind of understand that it's important. We know, I am sure it's pretty obvious that in order to have any kind of friendship, we need to spend time with that person. We need to listen to each other, share our secrets, share intimate things with each other and listen and cover some distance together. it's, It's like a friendship can be good from the start, but There are friends that we have where we've literally known each other and done stuff together for maybe 25, 30, 40, even more years. And there's a richness to that that you cannot just establish in a few minutes or in a few days or weeks. And so it's really exactly the same in our relationship with God. There's something it can be powerful and passionate and close in the early stages, but there's that deepening and enriching of the relationship that comes only from spending time together and only kind of proving that friendship through thick and thin and through good times and bad times and I think there's the issue for many people because we go through a significant chunk of our lives where we're very busy we've got lots to do and so like for example the the young mum who can't even go to the toilet without the little one coming with her, a little kind of posse coming alongside into the bathroom everywhere she goes. There's a little person or needs someone needs to be carried all the time and not yet not yet kind of being put down and left alone and all this kind of thing. And it's like full on and in through the night and the sleep's disrupted and the baby's crying and feeding every couple of hours. And that it's very, very difficult to find in the middle of all of that time to have any meaningful exchange with God other than kind of praying on the hoof while you're eating a piece of toast and drinking a cup of coffee and feeding the baby and everything all at once. And yet there is something about we know that spending time with God is really, really vital and There are many who will be like studying hard at university, maybe writing papers and um, doing research and staying up till late, getting up early, trying to get their work done, maybe building a business or developing 
in a career, rising up through the ranks, doing exams, studying for exams. And it seems that all the time is that we have is demanded to be spent in the pursuit of this thing. And I remember one particular time when I was a young pastor and we just had our first child. Well, in fact, we were probably on to our second one by then. And uh, so Josh was a little toddler and whatever time in the morning I tried to get up, I understood that getting up in the morning and having time with God on my own was really, really important. And particularly as a pastor, I had another job as well. So I was trying to do two or three jobs. And um, but I knew that if I could spend time with the Lord and those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they'll rise up on wings like eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And I'm thinking, right, I need to get this this thing down. I need to really crack getting up in the mornings. But it didn't seem to matter whatever time I got up in the morning. Josh seemed to kind of detect a slight change in the vibe of the house in his sleep and suddenly he was wide awake as well and I hear him crying in his room I'd go in to get him so he didn't wake his mum so she could get a few minutes of sleep and then grab him bring him downstairs and then we'd sit and watch Sesame Street I think Sesame Street was coming on at six o'clock in those days and some of you will not have even watched Sesame Street. So you have this massive gap in your education. You need to fill with some Sesame Street. Anyway, brought to you by the letter the letter B and the number 16. Anyway, it was just absolute classic. But I didn't really want to watch Sesame Street. I would rather either be alone with Jesus or asleep. I didn't really want to have a little toddler kind of making me watch kids TV first thing in the morning. Um, but then so I tried to get up a bit earlier and preempt his waking up and it was just so difficult because whatever time I got up he seemed to manage to get up before me and bear in mind the nights were disrupted and we had little Emily feeding and all this other stuff going on and then trying to do a day's work and actually stay awake and all those things so challenging stuff but I remember one day I'd got up at five 5.30 something like this and I'm I'm like just trying to get some time with God and get my thoughts together and pray properly and Josh was awake and Sesame Street hadn't started and he, I remember he was sitting on my head and I'm thinking God what is going on this is just completely bonkers how am I supposed to be a decent pastor with this little person who wants to be with me all the time and it was just so clear. I remember just that sense of the voice of God speaking into my heart. Paul, did do you think I was not aware that you were going to be at this stage of your life now with your family as it is? Did you think I was not aware of this when I called you and gave you this mandate and this responsibility? And I kind of thought somehow into this mayhem that is bringing up a young family somehow I now had faith that God was with me in it and he was going to sustain me and give me what I needed in spite of the shortage of time to shut myself away and listen to God and be the man of God and faith and power for the hour and all this kind of stuff that I kind of I think what I'd done is I'd romanticized what it meant to have a relationship with God and somehow had this very 
particular set of ideas. This is how it must be. Actually, what I didn't realise was that God is the God of family. God is in the whole process of us having families, being parents, bringing them up and nurturing them and modelling a heart that is listening to God in the middle of the melee and crazy craziness of young children and so on. So I began to understand that even in the middle of all of that, God was with me. It's really interesting because this um, interview with a very, very famous preacher and at the end of the interview, when the um, the preacher thought the interview was finished, there was just this kind of casual conversation going on between him and the interviewer. And the interviewer said to him, is there anything that you regret you know looking back on your life is there anything you regret and he said yeah just don't don't um publish this statement he said but I he said I wish that I'd spent more time with my family with my young children when they were small because that time came and went so quickly and I would shut myself away in my study and spend this time preparing these sermons and spending all this time kind of before the Lord with my Bible open and the children shut out and my wife kind of occupying them. And he said, I kind of feel that now that if I'd spent a bit more time with my children, God would have still spoken to me and still given me the word that he, you know, in the same quality and intensity that he did. And but that I would have been able to spend more time reflecting his heart to my children of course that goes on to be the only thing they published of the interview and but that's just such a profound thought really for me that in the middle of our messiness and chaos of bringing up children and having a family God is still there as wanting to have that friendship with us and wanting to engage with us over the dilemmas and challenges we have as a mum or dad bringing up our children and parents together and so even sometimes when we're in a crisis as a family it seems that all we can talk to God about is this particular crisis and we feel like oh there's a whole world out there I should be praying for the missionaries in Guatemala but all I can do is pray for my kids right now and you know what actually somebody needs to be praying for your kids right now and it's that that role that God's given us, that unique role to bring those children up and nurture them is part of the most glorious, glorious ministry that we'll ever have raising our children. So anyway, so spending time together with God is really, really important. And it's understanding how in the middle of all of that, God understands where we're at and he understands the need of the day. But nonetheless, there's something about prioritising in our hearts time with him. And so that time where I would gradually creep my my waking up, my alarm, setting my alarm to just a bit earlier, I got to a point where I could actually beat Josh to it, get up, spend a bit of time with the Lord. Maybe it would be 20 minutes, half an hour, and then in time it became like more of a quality time and now it's become such a part of my life where I, I wherever I am even if I'm traveling I quickly try to get my routine back so that I'm up with the Lord before anything else happens and we have 
We have some beautiful examples in the Bible, don't we, of people who really prioritised their friendship with God. And one of the classics is Enoch, who appears right back in the book of Genesis. And this guy, we don't know so much about him, but it says that he walked with God. Enoch walked with God. It's a very short sentence. And then it says, and he was not, for the Lord took him. And it's like one day he's out walking with the Lord somewhere, talking about whatever they talked about, having that beautiful flow of relationship, of friendship. And one day God says, Enoch, you can come back to my place. And so he does. So they look for Enoch, never find him. Moses was similar. Moses had this relationship with God where God didn't speak to him in riddles and in obscure sayings the bible says but he spoke with him as with a friend he spoke with him face to face as with a friend and it says that he saw the form of god moses saw the form of god wow it's just mind-blowing to think what that actually meant and how Moses somehow in the middle of I mean we think we're busy Moses was leading this massive um, crowd of people who were in the process of becoming a nation but they were they were like some people say there were about a million of these people in the wilderness and Moses is trying to lead them and so much so that at one point his father-in-law Jethro said, Moses, you're going to wear yourself and the people out because you're trying to fix all their problems yourself. You need to appoint people. You need a team around you who can take some of this responsibility off you. And great wisdom from Jethro. But we understand Moses was incredibly busy, yet it was in his routine to go into the tent of that he'd erected outside of the camp and just wait on God. And it's we read how the cloud of glory that was over the camp would move over to the tent where Moses had gone to wait on God. The cloud of God's presence would move into position as Moses went into the tent. And we often hear people talking about we need to follow the presence of God. We need to like move when he moves and move in response to him like the pillar of cloud in the wilderness. What's interesting about Moses is we see that God moves in response to Moses, which is absolutely mind-blowing for me. It's like, wow, God God is so interested in this particular human being that when Moses goes in to pray, God purposely shows up but not just like in the sense that he's everywhere at once anyway but he moves that symbol of his presence that visible symbol of his presence the cloud comes and settles over the tent and everybody knew what was going on they knew that Moses was in that place of encounter that place of exchange with God where God spoke to him as with a friend and we also read another really interesting little side story and that is that Joshua the young Moses's young servant was growing up and learning his trade as a leader as Moses's understudy and assistant and Josh would go into the tent and when Moses prayed Joshua presumably was just there in the kind of backgrounds just observing and listening and watching and then when Moses left Joshua remained in the tent 
And that is just glorious because it seems that all that Moses, the man of God, was the one who had this relationship with God that was big enough to create an open heaven over the whole of this massive group of people who were in the wilderness together with him, all of the Israelite nation. But it was also so profound that as he opened that door of relationship, Joshua slipped in as well and began to benefit from his master's relationship. And going back to our children, when we're mentoring our children, we're bringing up our children, we think they're not watching actually they see us. They see us in the early morning hours with our Bible open, our, on our knees before God or whatever we're doing. They stumble in on us, don't they, with our hands lifted up or with our headphones on and we're worshipping with some worship music or something like that. And they see us in action and it opens the door of possibility for relations. It's like the door of invitation for our young people, our children, our small children. As they they see us engaging with God, it gives them an invitation to embark on a similar relationship. Um, so what? So going back to time, Jesus said in Matthew um, twenty eight to the disciples, he said, "Could you not wait with me one hour?" They were they were in the garden with Jesus. It was the most stressful, traumatic time for him in his earthly life, his earthly ministry, as we understand it. He said, my soul is is vexed to the point of death. It's like I'm just really uh, in this place of immense pain on the inside. And he just wanted these guys to stay with him. And, and he makes a statement. He says, could you not wait with me? one hour but what happens is the disciples are tired and they're falling asleep and they're not keeping it together at all but he'd said listen guys watch and pray because this is important watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation well I think we can safely assume that they did fall into temptation and they all kind of fell away at the point where Jesus was most dependent on them you might say but I think it's a really interesting question for each of us at whatever stage of our lives we're in really and is that could you not wait with me one hour and if we were to say right one hour of every day I'm going to not be on my phone I'm going to be listening to God I'm going to be praying interceding for my family I'm going to be praying about my work see the thing is we think we haven't got enough time to do these things But actually, what if, here's the question, what if by investing that time with God and giving him the best of our time, the first thing we do, what if we found then that he multiplied our effectiveness throughout the rest of the day? And I can genuinely say that looking back on my life, that has happened as I've tried to prioritize him and there's only 24 hours in a day and we do need sleep it's really important we obviously need sleep and the lord gives his beloved one sleep but how about we say god let me just test you in this and see if you won't make me more effective and more fruitful in the you know say you're you're a 
salesperson and you have to make so many sales a day or a week or a month and you have to reach certain targets and everything and you oh, I can't afford the time with God I've got to make these sales and you said well Lord I'm going to give you this time and then just see if you will not multiply my effectiveness and give me access to the people who I've not been able to have access to the ones who don't return my call start returning my call that kind of thing how about we trust God and invest our time? The thing with time is you can't get it back. Even whilst we've been, you've been listening to me, that time can't be recovered, can it? We've lived those minutes and that's all there is to it. But we can be more effective. But it does mean that our time is something precious. So when we give our time to God... It really, truly is a bit of our life, isn't it? We're actually giving him a chunk of our lives. So if we if we say, well, Lord, OK, the time I'm driving to work, I'm not going to have the radio on in the car. I'm just going to be talking to you, listening to you. And that is the piece of my time I'm giving to you. But you think as well, how many minutes of our time do we spend on social media just doom scrolling and just looking at stuff or watching youtube videos on cats whatever it is you're interested in and and it's like that time we we can't get back either that time is easy easy to fritter or maybe we think well i need to spend a certain amount of time just downtime watching tv at the end of the day because that's my downtime yeah there's nothing potentially could be completely innocent depending on what you're watching obviously but it, it it's time you can't get back and so we think well we haven't got time to spend with God but we've got time to devote to Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is the drug of choice so let's let's just think about how we can make that uh the, those minutes of of the day a gift to God that becomes part of our worship, part of our sacrifice to him. And as we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you all of my heart. How about giving him some time? How about making some time, setting some time, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, maybe both, or maybe like Daniel three times a day. Daniel had a really busy job. He had a very incredibly scary boss and the most powerful man alive at the time. King Nebuchadnezzar was Daniel's boss. He ran an empire. He was a narcissist. He was completely obsessed with himself. Daniel manages to bring him to a place where he can acknowledge the God of heaven and earth. Because Daniel prioritized those prayer, that prayer three times a day. Darius was the king at the time of the three t- that we know Daniel was praying three times a day. I'm guessing that Daniel always did pray three times a day and it was just his habit and it had been developed as a young man. He was the top vizier in the whole of Babylon. Can you imagine working for the boss like Nebuchadnezzar or when the Persians took over Darius? Daniel's got this top job. And yet he still has managed to prioritise three times a day that he will pray to God and nobody is going to budge him off of that habit, even under threat of death. And so sometimes we're busy 
because of an inner narrative and we think it's, it's important that I stay busy. It's important that I look busy because then it validates me. And sometimes our busyness is actually not even real busyness. It's just for show. It's to, and sometimes it's to satisfy some kind of inner narrative, like maybe of a dead parent even, or somebody who we looked up to, who was always busy and who was always nagging us to do more and put more in. But let how about we spend that time, just a chunk of our time each day, just alone with God, being still before him, praying, interceding, listening to his voice, reading the scripture. So good. Jesus, finally, super busy. The most important person who ever walked the earth. His, the secret of his strength, the secret of his effectiveness was that he spent time alone with God. And when the days were too busy, he was up in the night. He was in a, going off into a remote place to pray with God, to pray to God, his father. Before he appointed the 12 apostles, he was up through the night praying. He didn't just rush into these things and think, oh, I know what to do. He was in communication with his father the whole time. And he he taught his disciples to pray, didn't he? And he demonstrated that in the garden, as we've already said, in that moment of the most extreme pressure and the most extreme testing of his whole entire earthly life. He was before God. He was in that relationship. He'd gone into the secret place and was having that relationship with God and just discussing the whole thing and even pleading with God and saying God is there another way we can do this is there a way we can do this your cup can pass away from me this thing that I know I've got to do so Jesus is the the gold standard isn't he and he spent time with the father every day Jesus said you're my friends if you do what I command you to do if you do what I command John 15 verse 14, it's not just enough to hear, but let's be doers. So let's get into that habit of not just spending time with God, not just hearing his voice, not just reading the scripture, but actually learning how to put it into practice and take what he tells us to do and to do it. Mary says to the guys at the wedding feast in Canaan, when Jesus is about to turn the water into wine, she just sort of whispers quietly, guys, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And let that be the motto of our lives, that we spend time with him and then whatever he tells us to do, we do it. And if your business is investing and Jesus is saying invest in X, Y or Z, do it. Be bold. Step out in it. Let's see what advantage and what edge it gives you, me, as we spend time with God, what secrets he uncovers for us that give us a a kind of advantage in our particular line of work or in our parenting. We suddenly see something, something makes sense or we learn a principle and we get it and it's like, wow, God, or God does some, sends a dream to one of our children or speaks to one of our children. That's when he's, we know that He's in the boat. He's hearing our prayers. 
And he's doing the things that we could never do, however hard and however busy we made ourselves. We could never do those things where suddenly he unleashes his wisdom and his power into the situation. Listen, have an amazing day and may God bless you. Lord Jesus, will you take each one of us and treat us as a friend and speak to us and reveal your secrets to us as we share our hearts with you. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.